Now, if you've enjoyed the summer and you're a gardener, then you are looking ahead to autumn and hopefully looking ahead to BBC Gardener's World Autumn Fair, which returns to Audley End House and Gardens near Saffron Walden in Essex from Friday the 1st to Sunday the 3rd of September. Among the many experts that are going to be there is the brilliant Francis Topill, uh, who joins me on the line to look forward to the show. Francis, really nice to, to catch up with you. It was summer last time we spoke. Now we're heading towards autumn. I know, just the beginnings of everything. and We're coming to the end, but it's lovely. I love autumn, actually. And it's, I don't know, for a lot of gardeners, especially it's a time when you begin to see and then to, to work at a time when you can just actually relax a little bit and enjoy reading a book <laughs> or something like that. Or so writing a book, because you've got several <laughs> books out now, haven't you? I mean, I mean, not only presenting on on the, on the television programme, you're a, you're a presenter uh, live and talks as well, but books, uh, being an author, is uh, another string to your bow. Yeah, a very surprising one. Growing up as a, as a very dyslexic person and very strong gene in my family, um, I was the least likely author in the world, but I'm... I'm yeah, I love writing books. I have to say, lovely as it is being on garden as well, writing books is my favourite thing. I love it. I love just, you know, exploring a subject that interests you and you have the chance to put the whole thing together. You you write the words, you're there for all the pictures to be taken, you're there for the design happening and you and then at the end you have this tangible thing that I can, I know that one day when I'm a little old lady, hopefully I'll be able to say to people, you know, I wrote this thing and I'll have it in my hand. You know, there's something really amazing about it. Yeah. Well, talk about the television program in a second because I mean it's been quite a whirlwind for you hasn't it and we'll talk about this going back to 2022 you did your first show garden you worm with all the accolades next thing you've got a television camera pointing in your face we'll, we'll talk about that in a second and, and I know they've they've intruded on your new garden and your new home haven't they <laughs> but the, the Friday you are at um, Audley End for this fantastic show uh, Audley End House this brilliant brilliant Jacobean mansion is, is absolutely stunning you've got three sessions uh, which, uh, as as we said before, is, is a bit of a tongue twister. Plot to plate, thrifty gardening and perfect pots. Tell me what all they involve. Well, there'll be conversations um, on stage with hopefully audience questions and participation, because I always love that sort of chatting to other gardeners and growers about what they're doing and, and just trying to... Um, basically encourage people to grow I mean we will be at Audley End which is a grand magnificent huge estate but not all of us have such a thing um, <laughs> in our own lives so it's just sort of encouraging people to have the confidence to try growing even if it's on a budget or in a really small modest size space and of course, growing food, which is something that I'm very passionate about. Mm. Now, you mentioned and alluded to the fact that not everybody has uh, acres and acres of garden. Some people have very modest gardens. Some people do their gardening on a terrace uh, or a patio. So growing in containers is something that's yeah. important to them. And I know it's a focus of yours because um, one of your books focuses on this, doesn't it? Tell me, tell me what they can do in containers and still get a lot out of their gardening. Well, anything. I mean, that's the beauty of containers is that you can choose a container that will suit the plant that you want to grow. Normally, we always talk about right plant, right place in the garden. And, you know, I am now, um, as you kind of alluded to, I now live in Devon in a very wet part of the country, um, having always lived in a very dry part of the country. And so I have to completely adapt the plants I can grow and that's what happens when you have a little bit of ground you have the soil type you have the position in the garden and you have the climate that you're that you're living in we can't change that 
But with a container, you have the ability to change everything else. You can put a completely different kind of soil or compost or gravel um, into that pot. You can have a big pot if you want to grow a tree. You can have a tiny pot if you want to grow a little succulent um, or an alpine. You know, you can really choose and hone your gardening um, in any direction that you want to, uh, because the container gives you an opportunity to really adjust everything all the growing conditions that you have basically and you can even bring things indoors in the winter mm. if you want to grow tropicals and, and tender plants mm. so that is why i'm such a big believer in them and, and also just through necessity of, of never up to this point never having had my own garden um or or just renting little courtyards or, or yards concrete yards where the only thing that you have the ability to use is a container and you know needs must you do it and then you realize actually you can be hugely productive and successful in containers and somehow it's almost sometimes more manageable mm. you've got a small space you focus on that one container at a time and then you get there mm. you haven't mentioned belfast sinks which, we, <laughs> which was a focus a central point of your award-winning garden and a brilliant use uh, of those old uh, white belfast sinks as well what can people grow successfully in containers because there's no point in being over enthusiastic and, and raising your expectations too high what realistically can people grow in containers well i think you wouldn't consider growing you know a mighty oak tree in a <laughs> container for instance but you can if you have a, a really large container you could grow a decent sized tree I'd say something like a hazel uh, would be really achievable or an acer something like that um, would be happy in a container um, and then basically from there work downwards in size and you can really grow anything I think what works really successfully is cohesive little design so if you were going to have a succulent in a container you would have a whole container filled with lots of different succulents you know both on a practical level because you have the same kind of substrate that is good for everything that you're growing in that one pot because essentially a container is its own little ecosystem and you can adjust that um depending on the soil that you put in there and where you position the container and how often you water it and all of those things um but you can't really adjust within one container so mm. grow little clusters of plants all together that like the same conditions mm. um, but really you're not hugely restricted in what you can grow other than not being able to grow enormous vast trees um, because they will very quickly run out of nutrient and energy and suffer the dates for your diary are Friday the 1st to Sunday the 3rd of September. The location, the stunning Audley End House and Gardens near Saffron Walden in Essex. Lots of information on the website bbcgardenersworldfair.com where you can find out who's going to be appearing, including Francis Tophill, and, of course, how to buy tickets. Uh, now, Francis, um, what should people be doing in their gardens at the moment or preparing autumn is the preparation time effectively for the new year isn't it it sort of is although i think we are adjusting that a little bit as gardeners because it, you know the, the way that we've always traditionally learned it is that you chop everything back in the autumn you clear your beds you mulch everything get it all ready for spring um i actually studied um in scotland where it's completely different because it's so cold that if you chop everything back in the autumn, they're likely to get hammered by um, winter frosts. So in Scotland, people usually chop things back in the spring. And I think more and more further down south, we are 
getting to that way of thinking, not because of the frost, but um, although we do have very unpredictable winters now, mm. but more because of um, wildlife, leaving some leaf litter on the ground. I mean, that's the classic autumn job, pick up your leaves. Mm. But actually, if you leave some leaf litter on the ground, it's an amazing place for lots of, you know, butterfly larvae to pupate and to live and overwinter um, in warmth and safety. So actually, autumn is a really great time. In fact, it's the only time for doing things like ordering and buying your seeds for next year um, if you have a big redevelopment project that you want to do autumn is, is the perfect time to start doing that dividing plants moving plants in your borders um, it's a great time for all of those sorts of jobs so I think what we all kind of do now as gardeners with autumn is we sort of hold off as long as we possibly can bear to and let it be messy unless there's an area that we're redeveloping and then that's where you cut everything back you dig everything up you divide it you replant things out improve the soil maybe build structures or decking or whatever it is that you're doing any big projects like that autumn's the time to start them um, and then gradually through the winter that tidying up process can can happen so that by the time you get to spring when hopefully all the insects are emerging and all the birds are finished feeding um you're in a good position to mm. then start growing for the season ahead and everybody quite understandably is watching the pennies nowadays uh, across mm. all aspects of their lives gardeners are no different um how can people get the most out of the money that they have thrift being thrifty in the garden i guess yeah i mean it's there are many ways that you can be thrifty. I think often it makes for more successful gardens as well. So managing your expectations about buying plants is a really good one. Um, if you're buying trees, for example, um, standard trees or half standard, you know, the big specimen trees that you buy from a nursery will cost hundreds of pounds. If you buy a whip, um, then it will cost you, you know, maybe even 10 pounds. Mm but will quite quickly grow to become almost as big a tree as quickly and then probably overtake the larger trees in a few years' time because there's a lot of stress that happens to plants when you shift them when they're that mature. And whereas if you buy a small um, year or two-year-old tree, it's not so stressed at all by being planted and it will quickly overtake a bigger one. So those sorts of decisions, buying one plant that's really, really full, and then taking it home in autumn is a perfect time to do this, dividing it into lots of little clumps, potting them up. And then in the spring, planting out multiple plants of the same um, thing rather than, you know, buying them as big, big pots straight mm. off from mm. the nursery. Those sorts of things are really helpful. Yeah. But also this time of year, autumn, is the perfect time for doing things like foraging. And it's a really nice way of, of eating good food without having to even garden at all. Anyone, whether they have a garden or not, can go out and about and, you know, with a good book. So, you know, you're taking things that are safe to eat um, and you're never taking more than kind of 10 percent of what's there. Um, you can get often a second flush of things like nettles, which are really healthy. Um, lemon balm um, is doing a second flush often in September time too. Um, there's obviously blackberries, there's some plums, you've got damsons, all sorts of things are in season. Nuts, hazelnuts, cob nuts in Kent where I grew up, mm. lots of cob nuts, you know. So if you want to be really thrifty, then, you know, don't garden at all, but, you know, do a bit of foraging um, as long as you're doing it really carefully and considerately for wildlife and other people. Mm. Be creative, I guess, about it. And the other thing that I find fantastic is seed share, which is a great yeah. idea. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, my allotment has one. There's a big shipping container which has all the tools in. And as soon as people have used their seeds, um, if there's half a packet left, which happens pretty much every time you're growing seeds on a small plot, um, you take the half packet and you stick it in the container and then people can help themselves and leave their half packets. So you're never really having to buy seeds. Everyone's always sharing every year, which is a really lovely system. But there are there are bigger, more organised seed swaps as well in your local communities. And it's a really nice way of meeting other growers and gardeners and, and just people, just mm. nice people. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, definitely that's something I'd recommend. And gardeners do like to share not just seeds, but experiences and ideas, don't they? It's a lovely family <laughs> gardening, I always find. Um, now, there are going to be lots of nurseries there um, with lots of plants to buy at the Autumn Fair. And as experienced as you are, Francis, is there something you might have your eye on? Are you thinking about something new for your new garden? Always. <laughs> no, I absolutely mustn't buy any more plants. I've already got far too many for such a small space, but I know me and I know I will. <laughs> That's what happens. Let's, um, let's just go on to your garden for a second, because um, I mentioned obviously before that you're now a presenter on um, BBC Gardeners TV programme, um, which I know you, you really enjoy because you've told me that in, in the past. But you moved into a new house uh, fairly recently and uh, you shared with me before that you invited the team in to film you doing your new garden. Yes. <laughs> Was that a good idea? Um, <laughs> it certainly puts a lot of pressure on making a new garden. I think it was. it's been really interesting, actually. Um, it's been an experience that I had, you know, when, when they said to me, oh, can we come and film? It's like, oh, wow, that's amazing. That's such a such a big honour actually to be asked to host the Gardener's World um, but actually the pressure I, I genuinely don't know how Monty does it each week <laughs> the pressure of, of having to you know find enough jobs to do jobs for the weekend in your in your garden and you know um, sort of starting something but then not finishing it because I have to wait for the filming to come and it, it definitely has changed the way I've approached the garden in the first year and I've probably actually done it a lot more quickly than I would have done and despite saying in the first program that I wouldn't do it I did <laughs> feel you know well, I've got to do something um, so yeah it, it's been an interesting thing I, I definitely <laughs> I definitely don't think I'd want to have my garden filmed every single year I think I, I'm looking <laughs> forward to is enough. <laughs> well yeah they've come two times now and I think you know now I um have a bit of space just to sit with it see how it's feeling mm. get some stuff in not have that pressure of knowing that there's another visit to come and just sort of actually do it in a time frame that's more um natural really yeah. for a first a first home and a first garden yeah. so yeah it's it's been a really interesting experience what's the process been like for you from being i presume an avid viewer of gardener's mm. world to being a presenter going to the shows and having people photograph you recognize you and come up and ask for autographs that, that's quite some big change for you hasn't it it's very strange it's very hard to get your head around the fact that people know who you are you know i i'm a middle child i was always ignored <laughs> and it's like you know suddenly it's like and i quite like that i've always found that to be quite a powerful position to be the one that kind of gets overlooked and it means you have a bit of more of a free reign to just be yourself and go under the radar i like being under the radar so it's a strange thing to not be under the radar when you're in certain spaces you know in normal life I just have a normal gardening job. I go about my daily business. That doesn't affect anything. Mm. And I like to keep it that way, you know. Um, but Do you get spotted yeah, in the I'm supermarket? Not... Do you get stopped no. in the supermarket? No, 
which is nice. Um, I think part of the power in that is because normally I look like a gardener absolutely covered in mud with not a stitch of makeup on. And then, um, the, you know, you go on TV, you have to make yourself look presentable. Um, so I have a kind of disguise <laughs> in normal life. But um, yeah, I think it's a, it's an interesting well, like you say, when I when I was an apprentice gardener, my homework was to watch Gardener's World, and now I'm on Gardener's World. But the the, the amazing thing about it, in terms of as a job, is that I get to speak to experts about their subject of expertise for a whole day. And you know, having come into this when I was first graduated from from my sort of botany um, horticulture stuff um, and I, I've worked as a gardener as well always but I get to sort of disappear for the odd day and just learn mm. so much and we're always learning all gardeners are always learning but I really get to just quiz people for a whole day about their field of expertise and as a gardener that is a really amazing opportunity to learn as much as I can and just be a sponge for knowledge. BBC Gardener's World Autumn Fair is at Audley End House and Gardens near Saffron Walden in Essex. The date for your diary, Friday the 1st to Sunday the 3rd of September. Lots of information on the website, bbcgardenersworldfair.com, where you can find out who's going to be there, as well as the brilliant Francis Toppel, Arid Anderson, Adam Frost and many more. There is plenty to see. There are show gardens, there are beautiful borders. It's going to be an incredible event. Francis, as always, it is an absolute Absolute pleasure to catch up with you, uh, and I'm so glad to hear that your your new garden is a under scrutiny, but b going well. Um, just <laughs> finally, um, I get I get asked this a lot because people think I know what I'm talking about when I, when I come to these shows, and they always say, "Oh, like a gadget." I like a kitchen gadget. If I'm perfect, I think I've said this to you before. I love a kitchen gadget. <laughs> what about a garden gadget? Because there are lots of people there selling all sorts of things. What would be your um, your top tip garden gadget for somebody who's starting out? Oh. Good question. I, as you know, I'm not really into gadgets, but I would say the top tip tool would be a pair of secateurs, always on your pocket, like always there if you need them, because you always will. But I was talking actually to Joe Swift about his um, robotic lawnmower. <laughs> oh, yes, <laughs> he was, told me about this. Yeah, yeah he, he was showing me it on his phone. He could track it by GPS what it's doing right now. And we were really quite impressive. When, you know, we've had a quite um, a wet summer. So I don't know mm. about you, but the lawns are just growing and growing and growing. Yeah. And so the constant mowing, I, I have to admit, it would be quite nice just to know there was a robot just doing it for me and I didn't have to worry about that. <laughs> I can't get my head round robotic lawnmowers, but there we go. <laughs> Francis, great to catch up with you. I know you've got plenty to do before you head off to uh, Audley End. Have a great show. Thank you.